Welcome, everybody, to another great podcast from the Crystal River Church of God. Whether you're on your way to work, on your lunch break, or even taking a jog, our prayer for you is that this helps you to find focus for living. We truly hope you enjoy this message live from CRCOG. Good to be here this morning. I know that in the first service there's just a little bit of uh, time restraint, so I don't want to just jump into this, but I kind of have to jump into this. Um, I want to just quickly share with you that our National Prayer Summit is uh, January 7th through the 9th. It's going to be in Cumming, Georgia. I have a national prayer movement that uh, the Lord led me to establish about five, six years ago. And we have intercessors in 26 different states. And the vision is to continue to canvas the nation and bring this nation into a prayer position with God. How many realize that that would benefit all of us? Really, You know, the influence that you'll gain from the Lord by being in His presence is amazing. Amen? Something about hanging out with a, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Got a way of bringing peace to the soul. So um, that's, that's what's happening, and we're very excited. It might, this, this next year has uh, really taken off, and I'm um, very excited about that. But I'm excited about serving you today. So uh, I want to... Uh, start in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 this morning. Um, the Apostle Peter wrote this. He said, In this you, you, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Everybody shout, if need be. Can I just share my heart with you this morning? I believe that the nation has been in a if need be season. Now, everything about this year, you know, I, I thought that, you know, things were going to turn out completely different than they did until I started getting around the Lord and spending time with Him and Him beginning to clarify some things that I was misinterpreting. Anybody ever done that? And the Lord began to, you know, straighten me out on a few things. And He, he took me to Job chapter 40 and he said, he said, let me just share with you what I shared with Job. When God told Job this, He said, do not annul my judgment by trying to make me do what you think I need to do. And one of the things that the Lord spoke to me about this year is he said, Son, he said, I have judged what's tried to afflict you. And he said, the quickest way out of that is for you to recognize seeing things the way I see them. And this is, I think, something that the Lord is, is helping us with. And I really believe that we have an opportunity this year to see where we've been on track and to see where we've been a little off track. Right? Amen. So I think that we've been in an if-need-be situation. And I want to share a little bit this morning on something that I'd like to entitle The Voice of the Lord. Let me encourage you. I, I like what Bishop says. He, says. he says, God doesn't speak to me as much as he speaks to some. But God doesn't lie to me like he lies to some. Can I be honest with you? I don't have a running conversation with God, but you'll hear me say things like the Lord said to me. He speaks to me probably four or five times through the course of the year, you know, mostly headlining things, and then the rest of it is unctions, leadings of the Spirit. I'm not here to teach on the gifts of the Spirit this morning, but I'm just sharing with you that you'll hear terminology that has to be explained, okay? So, you know, you can hear the voice of the Lord, and I think that most of us hear God more than we realize. How many realize that you can hear God in a poem? You can hear God in a song. You can hear God reading the Bible or reading a book. You can hear God in the revelatory substance of somebody's sermon. The best way to hear the Lord is for you to get into solitary communion with Him. And what will happen is all the different avenues in which God has, has, has built to allow us to begin to hear Him will all of a sudden start becoming clearer. Right. Let me just do a, a, a quick, uh, a, you know, a quick example. And, and for all of this to for this to work, just work with me real quick, okay? Just real quick. Can everybody in the auditorium just close their eyes for just a quick minute, okay? And I'm going to tap somebody on the shoulder. And when I tap them on the shoulder, I want them to shout, "Hallelujah!" Hallelujah! Now, everybody, open your eyes. Whose voice was that? How do you know that? You've heard it. 
you're familiar with it. You know it. And that's the way the Lord wants every believer. For us to familiarize ourselves with his voice. Now, I like what Brother Hagin says. He says, anybody that's got a running conversation with God, you know, with God, you know, God said and God said and God said, run from them. Okay, but I want to simplify the understanding that I, and really, I want to do this because I know where we're going. Uh, my, my job in the body of Christ is to try and get people ahead of the curve. You see, here's the thing. I want to be where the Lord is. Because the worst place to be is where he was. And if we are not moving progressively with the Lord, what will happen is we'll start entertaining voices that are not current, relevant. The kingdom is progressive. It calls you forward. And thank God for that. That's the whole reason why we can get out of stuff. We can leave things behind. We can begin to grow and mature. You see, the voice of the Lord will actually stormproof you concerning the tactics of the enemy. You know what that means? It means that you'll, you'll hear him and you'll apply the word of the Lord to your life in such a way that you begin to realize, I don't have to lose ground. I can continue to gain ground. And how many realize that the enemy is limited in the way he tries to deceive? But yet the God that we serve is unlimited in his exposure to us. This is the whole reason why the Jewish people say, there's, it, it, pertaining to Scripture, in every Scripture in the Bible, they think that there are 77 layers to every Scripture. Wow. So a lot of times what we need to understand, as soon as we think that we own the corner market of a passage, the Holy Ghost will say, well, that's nice, and I'm glad that you caught that, but let me show you something. Right. And then all of a sudden another layer will unfold. Another revelation will unfold. We have to understand that our future is dependent on revelatory exposure. The calling forward into things. The voice of the Lord leading us and guiding us. Now, I'm going to preach this morning out of John chapter 10. And our text will start in verse 1. Amen. But let me just read one verse out of chapter 9, verse 41, when Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see. Therefore, your sin remains. Okay? Now, there's a reason why he said this, and there's a reason why he went into a teaching in John chapter 10. What happened was, is <laughs> the Lord opened the eyes of a blind man. It just happened to be on the Sabbath or outside of the box of the system, okay? And a lot of times what happens is we get comfortable, we like routine, now all of a sudden the Lord wants to stretch us a little bit, mature us a little bit, and it has everything to do with us hearing him, okay? And Jesus is basically telling these guys this, you've seen the evidence of the Messiah by this man receiving sight, And yet you still choose to hang on to your belief system. And it's really showing you how blind you really are. Hello? And God does not want us blind to the present. And he doesn't want us blind concerning the future. Right? Okay? So for us to understand this, we have to understand the voice of the Lord. So in verse 1 of John chapter 10, and, and I will tell you this, in John 10, 10, because there's no demonic activity in John 9, no demonic activity in John 10, the thief and the robber that he's talking about here is systems. You have to remember something, that poverty and religion are twin sisters. And as long as somebody can keep you blind enough to keep you poor enough, it'll do it. And I'm not, I'm not talking about just physical poverty. I'm talking about spiritual poverty. Right. Amen. Okay? So sometimes when we get around certain, certain uh, opportunities, because it's different than the way we know it, we have to remember the voice of the Lord. And normally what happens is as soon as you start hearing something a little beyond your comfort zone, God's already prepared you to go there anyways. Come on, right? Amen? So in John 10... And verse 10, let me just finish that verse. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. How many like the abundant life? 
the abundant life has everything to do with what's next. And we serve the God that always knows what's next. God knew this year before we got into this year. All we have to do is be willing conduct, to conduct ourselves accordingly to what he, how he wants us to conduct ourselves in this year. Because I, I firmly believe that the believer is constantly setting themselves up for what is next out of a willingness. So I, I think that the gospel is not about personalities. It's not about popularities. It's not about programs. It's always about the truth. This is why you never vote for a party. You never vote for a personality. You always vote for policy. And that's all the, that's all the political speech I have this morning. In John chapter 10, verse 1, I like what Jesus said here. Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. The key, my friends, is to know God the way he knows us so that we can know his voice. Let me just say this to you. Going forward, we are going to need the voice of all five-fold offices. The voice of a stranger should not be the voice of the apostle or the voice of the prophet. Most sheep have conditioned their lives to Grow an ear to hear the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher. But my friends, for us to be under the full persuasion of the kingdom of God, the voice of the apostle and the prophet should not be strangers to the sheep. They are just as important. They are subservient. All the offices are. They're vitally, vitally important. So I think that not one church or not one denomination possesses all truth. Okay, and, and, and I think that we have to understand that, that our willingness is the key to receive, to believe, and to apply a greater measure of completeness. Because all these voices, these five voices, these revelatory voices are there to complete some things, develop us and complete us for the work of the ministry. Anybody ready to get busy for God? Thank you for the three people that are ready to get busy for God. Okay, the first thing I want to share with you this morning is this. I've got five things I, ha- I want to share with you. Number one, the voice of the Lord captivates our hearts. John chapter 6, verse 63, the words that I speak to you are spirits and they are life. They appeal to us, the voice of God does. Now, I'm going to tell on myself this morning because how many realize that everybody's got a past? Normally, the ones that are a little more vocal about that are the ones that have been forgiven a much. You know what I'm saying? And when I was when I was in the world, because I wasn't raised in the church, when I was in the world, um, one of the ways that God began to woo me to Him was through a, a televangelist by the name of Jimmy Swaggart. Now, I don't know how folk feel about Jimmy Swaggart, but I can only tell you that corporately, he probably was one of the greatest evangelists I've ever seen. God anointed that man to preach the gospel to the degree that people heard the voice of God and wanted to get saved. Amen. So when I was in the process of of coming to the Lord, I would watch Jimmy Swaggart as I smoked dope and drank beer. I'm not going to lie to you. I was mesmerized, mesmerized by this guy. I, I couldn't, t- I couldn't change, the ch- change the channel. I, I, would, I would watch this guy hang on to the side of a piano and kick his leg and go, glory. And I thought to myself, this cat's tripping. What is up with him? But yet I, I, I was captured. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't change the channel. I, and then all of a sudden I got saved and, and I began to realize 
what was going on in Jimmy's heart. He loved God. And all of a sudden, the Lord began to overtake me, began to capture me, began to, began to just fill me in such a way that I'm going to tell myself again, and I'll say it maybe in the first service, maybe not so much the second service, but when I was on my honeymoon, you've got to remember something. When I was, when I was in the world, I was, I, was, I, was, I, I was a rounder, okay? But when I got saved, I mean, I became celibate. I became, I became committed to God, and, and I didn't touch unclean things because I, I had an understanding and, and, and when I got married, I, I'll never forget it. <laughs> my wife, and if you ever see my wife, you'll know what I'm talking about. Oh, my God. Uh, hubba, hubba. <laughs> I'm, I'm on my honeymoon, and the Lord, Lord sent my wife to me. She said, look, she says, honey, she says, I know that you love Jesus, but you've got to put that Bible down and come spend some time with me. Okay? <laughs> like I said, I'm a red-blooded American man, Okay? All right? But what I'm telling you, I was so captured by the voice of God. I, I was so intrigued by the voice of God. When In fact, when I first got saved, I thought I was going schizophrenic because I was hearing stuff on the inside of me. I'm, what the heck is happening? Okay? But one of the things I began to realize is all it took was one word from the Lord. One word from God changes everything. All of a sudden, the rough places get smooth. All of a sudden, the low places get high. All of a sudden, the crooked places get straight. All it takes is one word from God to change your marriage. All it takes is one word from God to rescue your children. All it takes is one word from God to straighten out your finances. I am thankful for the voice of the Lord. Number two, I want to encourage you. And I will say this before I move off of uh, point number one, that the voice of God will actually, it'll actually stormproof you concerning the tactics of the enemy. Because how many realize that once God says something to you and your spirit man is ringing like church bells on Sunday morning, it doesn't matter what the circumstances have to say anymore. It doesn't matter what the condition is trying to portray anymore. You've heard from God. Number two, I want to encourage you, the voice of the Lord should influence our direction. Revelation chapter 1, verses 10 through 15, and I'll paraphrase just by uh, using a couple of verses here. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a voice as a trumpet. Verse 12 says, and I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. The voice, the voice of God on our life should not be just heard it should be observed or it should be seen. And we should have a willingness to turn towards it. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, this is what Joseph said. But he said it out of a season of repro- God repro- or, you know, refining him, proving him. Psalms 105, verse 5 says that out of the mouth of God, God establishes his judgments. So Joseph needed to understand when he said this in chapter 50, he said to his brothers that tried to kill him. How many realize you just can't share with everybody what God's doing in you? You've got to be selective. You've got to have the right people in your corner is what I'm saying. Amen? He said to his brothers, he said, all this is going to work out for our good. Now, how many realize that he couldn't have said that when he was in a pit, you know, uh, being, you know and, 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 and his brothers wanting to kill him? He probably couldn't say it when he was sold into slavery. He probably couldn't say it when he was framed in Potiphar's house. He probably couldn't say it when he was imprisoned. He probably couldn't even really say it when he was starting to be promoted in Egypt. But he got to an understanding that the refining of God, the voice of the Lord, was developing the character in him to be able to be turned towards or turned in the right direction. Not just heard, not just seen, but our steps are now starting to be ordered a little differently. Amen. And he goes on to say in Psalms 105 and verse 19 that the word tested Joseph and got him to a place of understanding that he was actually being repositioned so that that vision could come to pass and he would not only be able to save the ones that tried to kill him, but he would also be in a position to save Egypt from from famine and destruction. Now, I'm thankful that we can have the ability to hear the Lord in such a capacity because there's a lot of people I would rather just see die than for me to go out and save. Oh, you act like you don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Number three, I want to encourage you, the voice of the Lord should create boldness in our spirit. Matthew 10, 20, it's no longer you speaking, but the spirit of my Father speaking through you. And, you know, in the... 
in the, in the office that I, I, I operate in. You know, God normally, and you got to understand something about the prophetic. The pro, a lot of people will hear that a prophet's coming, and people will show up out of the woodworks to get a so-called personal prophecy. But that doesn't mean that that's really a word from God. Christian people are a real easy read. Because we have the same spirit. And I don't want to be picking up on the familiarity that's going on in people's lives. I want to be picking up on the voice of God that needs to chart people's lives. This is why people go to church and they get a word and they'll go, Oh my gosh, that's the same word that I got in the last meeting. And that's the same word that I got in the meeting before that. And that's the same word that I got in the meeting before that. Well, that's not a word from the Lord. That's a familiarity. Amen. But I can tell you what a word of the Lord looks like. And I, I, the Lord's been sending me into bikers, biker churches. Uh, I'm now patched with two different biker organizations across America. And, and a word of the Lord in, in a biker church goes something like this. There's a contract on a, out on your life by the, the outlaws. And God says this. Or, or, or I'm in one meeting and the Lord said, lady on the second row, she's a stripper. And I want you to call her out tonight. You better be hearing God. Just came out of a meeting. Just came out of a meeting. And and the Lord said, that guy right back there. Right, right, right there. When you start tapping somebody's dream life, you're you're actually hearing the Lord. Because when you have a dream from the Lord, it's God dreaming about you and just sharing it with you. Okay? And a prophet will come in and pick up on some stuff. And the Lord began to say some things about this guy. You know, two investors came into your life to try and actually steal from you what I gave you. I didn't call you to share it with them. I called you to do this so that you and your family can be blessed and so that you can be in a position to bless the body of Christ. And I'm going to send you an investor, a global investor, and this thing's going to explode. Just his mouth wide open. And, and, and the Lord went on to tell him, he said, you've been sketching things on a, on a board at night, and, and you've been adjusting your, 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 your creative idea, and, and it needed this adjustment for it to really be what I called it to be. And he's been waking up at night, adjusting some things. Two investors just left him that were really were sent by the enemy to rob him. And just before he got to church, he got a phone call from a global investor. How many realize that he walked into the word of the Lord? How many realize that, I mean, even, even Stevie Wonder could see what was going on. Right? Now, that's what God wants us to do. Maybe not in the capacity of how a prophet flows, but how you and I can flow. Because how many realize that we need to hear him to be effective? Okay? So sometimes you're going to get bold. I remember I was talking with a minister one time, and he was being quite religious with me. And, and, and uh, I'm just not a religious person. I, I don't like religion. I can smell it a mile away. And, and uh, he says to me, he says, well, Brother Tim, you need to just take a definitive stand on Scripture. I said, well, okay, I, I get that. And he was trying to, you know, really push Acts 2.38 on me, baptized in the name of Jesus only, baptized in the name of Jesus only. And he was just argumentative, argumentative. And I said, God, what am I going to do with this guy? I've got to preach for him tomorrow. And the Lord said, well, just tell him that in my name, the name of Jesus, all my names are all inclusive. So I shared it with him, and he didn't have a, you know, he didn't have a, a you know, a, a comeback after that. <laughs> Amen? And how many realize that that instruction was put in place because the Jews had not accepted Christ as their Savior yet? No other reason. Come on, y'all. We okay with that? Number four, the voice of the Lord should activate our voice. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart, like a burning fire shot up in my bones. And I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. You know, Jeremiah, he was a young prophet, and he was calling a nation out of its iniquity. And calling them back to God. And there were times where Jeremiah ran into tremendous persecution because of what he was commissioned to do. You know, it's not always easy to turn people. Come on, y'all. Amen. 
And I personally know what it's like to hold the word of the Lord from people because I knew that they were not ready to hear it. And that's a burden that you carry because you want the best for God's people. And you know, but you know, it, it, it proves itself out over and over and over again. In America, we, we like popularity. We, we, and we got to realize that in the presence of the Lord, one of the things that the presence of God will do for us is it'll make us teachable. And if you can't be teachable, you can't be trusted because we're still full of what we think. Right? So a lot of times I'll try and get the body of Christ ahead of the curve. And like in 2018, I'm coming out of a meeting, and the Lord spoke to me in March of 2018, and the Lord said, the warfare that's coming, my people must return to being a people of praise because worship in itself is not going to get it done. But you know what I ran into? I ran into a nation drunk with worship, and we had forgotten the militancy of what, it, of what we need to, the inner, come on, Bobby, the intercession through praise, praise is the highest form of prayer, the intercession that we need to be exposed to to get our mind, will, and our emotions into a position to, I mean, to elim- eliminate everything that's trying to steal from us what is in the, the intimacy time of worship. But if you're going to try and overcome with worship, it's not going to get done because God has given us the garment of praise for a spirit called heaviness. And when you can't preach it through, when you can't pray it through, when you can't prophesy it through, you can always praise it through. It don't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense, but this is God's battle plan. His battle plan is to set the praisers out in front of the, the army. Let the praisers go before you. Praise stills the avenger. God inhabits the praises of his people. We come through his gates and into his courts with thanksgiving, and everybody shout it, praise. Amen. So the voice of the Lord will activate you. Number five, the voice of the Lord will call you into his service. Remember in Acts chapter 9, verse 17, Ananias, God arresting Ananias, and he's saying, I want you to go to the street called Straight, because there's a man there that I want you to minister to. His name is Saul, but I'm going to change it to Paul. And what's going to happen is the scales of blindness are going to fall off of him. He's going to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, and he's going to be commissioned into the service that I'm calling him into. It'll activate you. Mark Twain said this, the two greatest days of your life, are the day that you're born and the day that you understand why. Are you listening? I understand why I've been born again. I understand my role in the body of Christ. My friends, the Bible goes on to tell us in Acts chapter 13 that the teachers and the prophets were fasting and praying in the church of Antioch and and, and the Spirit of the Lord said, do this, separate Barnabas and Paul for the work in which I call them to. Please understand this. Soul winning might not be our personal current culture, but it will always be in the life of the believer a current call. All right? People ask me all the time, well, prophet, what what do people, what's the new normal? What's the new normal? And, And the Lord keeps telling me, just tell them, when my people start acting normal, it'll be new. No, for real. Because I'm watching, this is, this is troubling to me. I'm watching out of this election. I'm watching a world mobilizing to change the outcome of things. I used to just think that, that people were moving out of California because of the second worst air quality in the world. I used to think that people were leaving California because of how the liberals, the humanist, the Marxist agenda was bankrupting an entire state. I used to think that people were moving out of California just because of, 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 of the, you know, the high, high price of things out there. And then I began to realize when Arizona went blue and Utah went blue and Colorado went blue, how many of the worst mistakes that Colorado could have made was to legalize marijuana? Crime went through the roof. I preach out there. Are you listening? And I'm watching the world mobilize to change things. And the church, we got a problem with thinking that I personally am supposed to witness to somebody. 
bothers me. You know why it bothers me? Because there's only one thing that's going to go to heaven. Thank God for prophecy that changes our lives. Thank God for miracles that change our lives. Thank God for answer prayer that changes our lives. But there's only one thing that we're taking to heaven, and that's souls. It's not the prophecy that charted your life that Paul encouraged Timothy to give himself to. You know, the outcome of things, how to, how to govern your affairs. None of that, your miracle's not going to go to heaven with you. Souls are going to go to heaven with you. I had a night vision not too long ago where there were just two great lines, and, and I knew I was standing in the line of the lambs. And I looked over, and there was just a huge line of goats. And they're all looking at me screaming, thousands of them. You told me about him. It haunts me. Haunts me. You see, you can't hang around the Lord and not be interested in what he's interested in. He's interested in people. And for anybody to say, it's unscriptural. For anybody to say that I am not called to be a personal witness is unscriptural. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us that the gifts of the Spirit, I give to one the word of knowledge. I give to another the word of wisdom. And it has nothing to do with you not being able to move in all nine gifts of the Spirit. Nine, the nine gifts of the Spirit have everything to do with situations, conditions. If the situation requires word of knowledge or prophecy or healing, then that's what you'll move in. But the Scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 18 that God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Not one person is excluded. Well, how do people get into these mindsets? I'll tell you how they get there. Exodus chapter 12 tells us that when they came up out of Egypt, they came up mingled with other nationalities. What I'm saying is you get to running with the wrong people, and then all of a sudden what used to be important to you is no longer important to you. Let me encourage you, okay? You should never be ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel, and I've got a burning in my spirit to exhort the body of Christ, win souls. I know that there is a county-wide, probably a statewide move of God that wants to come out of here. But it's just not going to happen just because we think it's going to happen or because if somebody prophesies it's going to I had the word of the Lord a couple of years ago concerning this place. And a lot of reasons, a lot of reasons prophecy it does not see fulfillment is because it's conditional. Doesn't mean it's not the word of the Lord. Okay? So, friends, we, we, we've got we to mobilize. If we're going to see a difference, we've got to mobilize. And, and let me just let me stretch this a little bit. Ezra, well, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back it up a little bit. I'm going to move forward a little bit. Hosea, chapter 7, God says two things about Ephraim. Ephraim, you have to understand that because you have intermingled with the wrong influence... You have become a half-turned cake. You get around somebody that's burning hot for God, you're going to burn hard for God. You get around somebody that's lukewarm, you're going to be lukewarm. Be careful about who you hang out with. Don't be, this, I'm not safe to go places with because I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus. You know how many people I've witnessed to and led to Christ out of word of knowledge at restaurants? I let, a, I, let a, I let a senator, a state senator in the state of, uh, of Connecticut in the baptism of the Holy Ghost on the 18th tee of, of a round of golf. He finally got curious enough to ask some questions. And I said, well, you're born again. The Holy Ghost is in you. He just wants out. I don't want to be a half-turned cake. He goes on to say this a little bit later in the chapter, uh, chapter 7 of, of the book of Hosea. He says, you're not only a half-turned cake. And I forgot my point. <laughs> what? It's the pulpit? <laughs> well, he goes on to say this. Doggone it. Chapter 7, verse 16 of the book of Hosea. Can you put that up there real quick? Let me encourage you while they're putting that up there. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. I love this. Paul said this to Timothy. He said, remember the scriptures that make you wise unto salvation. Yeah. Proverbs 30, verse, chapter 11, verse 30 says that a wise man wins souls. Yeah. Now listen to what I'm going to say. 
people who operate with and from the ministry of reconciliation are people who most likely do not carry unforgiveness. Kind of hard to carry unforgiveness if you're constantly operating in the ministry of reconciliation. I'm not saying that it's not possible. I'm just saying it's most li- not likely for that to happen. You see, salvation is a seed planted that releases all that God is. And when you are leading people to Christ, you know what you're giving them? You're giving them the beginning of healing. You're giving them the beginning of miracles. You're giving them the beginning of of restoration. Hosea 7 verse 16. You're giving them the beginning of everything. And, And here's the thing. Because the kingdom works by one principle, you reap what you So, as soon as you sow that into somebody else's life, all of a sudden, everything that God is now starts coming back to you. A wise man wins souls. I love, I've been around some wonderful people in my walk with God, a man by the name of T.L. Lowry. T.L. told me one time, just floored me. I didn't get it when he said it because, you know, he's just way out there. You know what I'm saying? And and, and T.L. said, he said, son, if you can't manifest the book, sit down. I had no idea what the man was talking about. But it provoked me. Provoked me to chase God. Provoked me to get with the Lord. And what the man was trying to tell me is if I will get into harmony with the inspiration that he inspired men to write the book with, I can flow in that same inspiration and in that same revelation and in that same manifestation. The key is to getting close to God. You see... Jesus had the Holy Ghost without measure because the Holy Ghost had Jesus without measure. I like what chapter 16, verse 7 of Hosea says, and they return, but not to the Most High. They are like treacherous, a treacherous bow. That word treacherous in the Hebrew, it's an interesting word. It means a deception, a warp. So you can actually put an arrow in a bow and have it squared up on the target and release it and because there's enough deception in it, enough warp in it. What you think is going to hit the mark all of a sudden strays. This is what happens in the body of Christ. We get around the wrong people. We end up half-turned. We, we end up mingled with the wrong counsel, and we think, we think that we shouldn't win souls. It's time for the church to start hitting the mark. Come on, amen? Let me encourage you. You see, there's a lot of people that are, that are asking questions right now. Well, where's the next move of God going to come from? I'll tell you where it's going to come from. It's going to come from what you already got. Matthew chapter 15, what happens? Jesus is in the wilderness. And he has his disciples on the front row of a miracle healing crusade for three days. And their greatest lesson had not yet been learned. And he says to them, he says, I'm going to feed these people. There's 4,000 people plus wives and kids. A real word from God feeds the entire family. Okay? And, and, and he says, I'm going to feed these people. And, and, and his disciples are going, what? Lord, I, I, I'm not doubting you here, but, you know, we're in the wilderness. There's no place to buy. Well, that takes care of poverty right there. They had the money to do it. They just didn't have the means to get it. And Jesus said, what do you have? And they said, well, we have two fish and seven loaves. Not a trick question. Somebody do the math. John, do the math. Two plus seven is nine. So what did they have? They had nine elements of substance, nine gifts to the Spirit, nine fruit of the Spirit. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, just give me what you got. Oh, somebody help me. Y'all feeling that right now? Amen. That'll mess your hair up right there. Amen. Glory. That'll make you grow hair. Praise God. Let me encourage you. Just give me what you've got. And see, here's the thing. They were under the, his disciples were under the persuasion of the wilderness. Jesus was moving constantly under the influence of the Father. I'm telling you, what we already possess just needs to be brought under the influence of the Father. Just let God mine the gold in you. It's called treasure. 
Everything else is surface. Whatever surface is going to be consumed by fire. But whatever's below the surface is called treasure. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And this is what the Lord said to me about a month and a half ago. See, I'm, I'm not a whole lot, but every now and then. He said, the day of dichotomy is here. The difference between two things. And it reminded me of Isaiah 29 when there would come a day where the prophets could see, could hear, and could read, and by choice, on purpose, renounce. This is what Jesus was pointing out in John 9 here. You say you see, but because you're not willing to receive this and allow me to stretch you a little bit and show you something. Oh, you're going to make me want to prophesy. You ain't blind. But because you see, because you know, and you refuse to believe, it's showing you the the condition of the sin that's in you. That's the real problem. The real problem, and here's the, the quickest way to your own resolve is to, is, to, is to get somebody else into their resolve. It is. It really is. Okay? Amen. <laughs> this piece of pulling on me so strong, I just don't, I don't know what direction to go. Just give me what you got. Bring it under the influence of the Father. You'll find out that what is in you is the answer. And every move of God's been like this. Everybody's trying to come up with some kind of a gimmicky thing. Let me tell you something. Going backwards into skinnier jeans is not the answer. Getting more fog machines and better lighting is not the answer. You know what the answer is? Getting folk in the presence of God. You know what the answer is? Getting people around the voice of the Lord. I got to close. Let me encourage you. The day of dichotomy is here. They're going to make a choice. But yet in Ezekiel 44, the scripture says that there will come a distinction between the priests. The priest of Zadok, the priest that refused to compromise the commandments of God, the ones that refused to entertain the soul of man, there will come a day where I will close the door between the two. I'm going somewhere. And there will come a day where one will minister to men and the others will minister to me. And the ones that refuse to compromise are the ones that are going to inherit me. The others are going to inherit what men can provide. And I'm telling you, we are in a time, friends, of dichotomy. Where do we want to go? I say we get back on track. I say that the church should do what the church is commissioned to do. You know what that means? It means that the entire commission of God wants to run through you. Salvation wants to run through you. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, bringing that to somebody, wants to run through you. Miracles want to run through you. Deliverance wants to run through you. Listen, pastor doesn't have... More of Jesus than me? I don't have half the Jesus that pastors got, nor do you have half the Jesus of what I got. We all got the same Jesus and the same commission. The only reason I got stories is because I live it. And when I'm home, I carry business cards. When I'm home, I hand out tracts. When I'm home, I disciple folk into this church. So... In Genesis, I'm preaching this year, and the Lord took me to Genesis, and actually what happened was is I began to realize what I was seeing. About halfway through a sermon, my eyes just came open. And this is what I hand out. I hand out a tract that said, Jesus loves you. And there's a plan of salvation on the back. You can order them in bulk and make the culture of this house a soul-winning house. God will bless this place beyond our imagination. God's good to this house. But how many realize that God could get better? We just need to let him get a little better. Amen. Amen. So I'm preaching, and all of a sudden, I see this huge celestial hand. And this is all I can say. This hand closed the door on Noah's ark. And I said, God, I said, what are you talking about? What, what are you trying to share with me? And the Lord said, son, you've got to tell my people, I'm closing the door right now. It's a day of dichotomy. People are 
people are settling who they want to be, what they want to be. But I want them to settle what I want them to be. And the Lord said, my work has always been a position of safety. Genesis chapter 6 verse 8 says that the, the, the grace of God was on Noah to do what he did. You know what that means? Out of 920 years, he took 120 years to build something called an ark and prepare for something that he had never seen before. We are in uncharted territory. We have been preparing for quite some time for things that we never thought we would see, number one, but yet still the outcome of things that we haven't seen yet. And I'm telling you by the Spirit of God that God is inviting his people into a place of safety right now. Okay? And the scripture says that Noah walked with God. It says that he was righteous to his generations. And chapter 7 verse 1 says that Noah's family was righteous. And then in verses 15 and 16, it says in chapter 7, it says that every, every creation that had the breath of God in it was summoned by the Lord into this safe place. And God closed the door. I want to capitalize on one word, righteousness. You see, righteousness is more than just right standing with God. It means a right approach to things. It means a right way to live. Amen. Ezekiel 14, 14 says this. It it says that if, if Noah, if Job, and if Daniel had not been righteous, they would have been consumed in their day. Well, we already know something a little bit about Noah, but let's talk about Job. Are you aware that Genesis 46, 13 says that the Job is the third son of Issachar? And the sons of Issachar, 1 Chronicles 12 and 32, the sons of Issachar could discern the times and have wisdom to know what to do. God spoke to Job out of a whirlwind. That whirlwind is symbolic in Scripture, meaning that when creation is out of control, the Creator is always in control. Chapter 38 from the whirlwind. Nahum chapter 1 verse 3. From the whirlwind God's will is established. We are in a time of dichotomy. I pray that we're on the right side of things. Amen. Are you listening? How about Daniel? How many realize that God, I love, uh, Pastor Cash, I love when he, when he said this years back. He said, God didn't deliver Daniel from the lions and he just joined him in it. And some of us need to catch that. I caught it. It hit me right in the head. Just I bounced off of me. I said, oh, that works for me. Because God's not going to deliver you from stuff. Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have many tribulations. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Remember, I've already judged what's tried to afflict you. What matters is, is how you see it. And I'm telling you, friends, if we will be commissioned into the work of the ministry, it is providing a dynamic of salvation right now. The Lord showed me years ago. Now, I'm not trying to get into eschatology. I'm just saying to you, I never thought that I would, we would be living in a time of Revelation 6 or Revelation 13. But we are. But we got to understand something, that while we're here, we will be protected like the two witnesses right. of the book of Revelation. It's time for God's people to rise up. Rise up. We need to hear him, and we need to be obedient to him. Let's pray. You're here today, and you never have invited Jesus into your heart, and you would like to be born again. You would like to give your heart to Jesus. You would like to repent of your sins and ask him to come into your life. Would you shoot your hand up real quick? Shoot, shoot. I got you. All right, see you, baby. Amen. You're here today, and you know that you've been kind of just, you know, living around the, you know, the, the fringe of things. Haven't been burning. Haven't been on fire. Ready to sell out and give your life completely to the Lord and you want to rededicate your life to God. Would you throw your hand up and say, that's me, I got you. I got you, I got you, I got you. Let's pray right now. One person getting saved for the first time. Bishop, I, I, I don't know how you do this. Um, do they need to see you after the service or see somebody after the service? Okay, very good. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, blanket this crowd today. People that lifted their hands, will you pray with me? Say this with me, Jesus. Come into my heart. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive me of every sin. And I receive that forgiveness. 
Help me to love you the way you love me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me today. Amen and amen. Amen. Yes. I like what Bishop said. Bishop said, it ain't the angels that are rejoicing right now. It's the Father. Amen. Let me encourage you. How many is ready to, to just sell out? I mean, listen, if you think that you're going to be popular, Ezra 9 and 8 says that God spares a remnant. You know what that means? It means a portion of the original form. Share, spares a remnant. They, they might experience grace and to, to have, have revival in the midst of bondage. I love what uh, Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 39, verse 37 says that the remnants, their roots run down and their fruits come up. And it's not, let me just say this to you, it's not going to be easy to plant yourself in a right season doing the right thing, especially if you haven't been doing it. It's going to feel a little, it's going to feel a little foreign. It's going to feel a little odd. But it's going to feel, let me tell you, you lead one person to Jesus, you're ruined. Okay? If you get persecuted, you should rejoice. Because they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the answer to their life. Don't let anything, anything call you out of what God's calling you into. Grace and peace. Thank you again for listening to this message. We pray that it has inspired you like never before. For more information about Crystal River Church of God, how to give, or even our upcoming events, be sure to check us out at crystalrivercog.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast. And we will see you next week here at CRCOG.